1: episode three of playstation pals a video game podcast i am your host nick and i'm joined by the thor to my odin john how are you doing today john
0: i'm good nick i'm good uh you know i'll take it as an honor that you're allowing me to be chris hemsworth and you're going to take anthony hopkins in this situation (laughs) um you know so i'll be the star-studded whipped australian actor that's no problem
1: that's that was not the characters I'm going for. I was yeah, actually yeah. going for the Thor and Odin that will be in the upcoming God of War Ragnarok.
0: You, you um, can put your spin on it. I'll put my spin on it. That's
1: fine. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Because what you just heard was a clip from the original God of War 2018, in which Kratos meets the Stranger and this confrontation uh, starts their journey. Uh, with Atreus, and kicks off the events of the game. Um, it, is that a top 10 boss fight
0: of all time, Nick? Is that a top 10er?
1: I feel like it is. I, boy, there are a lot of boss fights, so. Yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. loaded question. It, it would be very hard to whittle that down, but yeah, I would say, if you were making a list of the, the best boss fights, uh, that would definitely be up there. It's it, at least an honorable mention. Yeah, it's just so good, and so visceral, and, uh Catches you by surprise, yeah. yeah. It it really, like, I think, as as we told a a friend of ours, get to that fight, and you'll have to complete the game, because it's so good, it's so exciting, and, uh, yeah, it's one of the, definitely one of the best uh, boss fights out there. Um, But, let's not waste any more time, Uh, if you're new to the show, this is the format. Uh, I'm going to bring three things, John is going to be three things, they can be anything. They can be a video game we're playing, a news article, a topic, uh, an email to playstationpalspod at gmail.com, any of those things. So he's going to bring three things, I'm going to read three things, and we're going to go through them. And uh, the reason why we played the God of War clip earlier, well, John, you want to set this up for us since you're bringing it?
0: I would love to. So, first topic uh, is I want to talk about these uh, out-of-control God of War release date, whatever you want to call them, rumors <laughs> that have been plaguing, plaguing the internet for, uh, I want to say, at least a week or two now. So, um, you know, it started back uh, on June 23rd, I believe is the date that the uh, Twitter user The Snitch, Uh, tweeted out a vague God of War gif with a 11110 attached to it. And, and, you know, initially you might be thinking, well, that's, you know, that's not a date. It has too many characters in it. Well, our internet sleuth friends figured out that that is binary for 30. So that set off this fever pitch, you know, idea that on the 30th of June, Sony was going to have some sort of announcement, whether it's an updated state of play, um, you know, or a blog post or something like that, giving us all the... Out of war information that we wanted for a long time. Um, Didn't, you know, and and then that got piled on with uh, some extra people. Jason Schreier, you know, who's been brought up many times on this podcast, one of the podcasts, one of the industry leading uh, journalists out there, said that he heard the same thing. So then people are at this point kind of thought it was a slam dunk, surefire thing. Well, Folks, unfortunately, your boy here last week said that no event was happening. Uh, No event did happen, so now we're sitting here on July 1st, and and the internet seems to be even more ablaze right now about it. And really, what I kind of want to frame the conversation around is just not so much is is this game coming, when is this game coming, because I think you and I are both reasonable people, Nick. and, And... At the end of the day, the game comes when the game comes. You know, it would be great to play it earlier rather than later. But, you know, this is too important of a a game to push it along, to get, you know, nasty with developers. Um, Because one of the things that really is kind of crazy about this story is Corey Barlock, who is the creator of God of War, uh, of the 2018 God of War, uh, has had to come on many times on social media now and basically tell people to chill the fuck out. It's getting <laughs> to the point where people are sending dick pics to Sony Santa Monica developers, um, you know, where they're just getting mean and nasty for these people who are sweating and pouring their souls into making games for us to love. And so, you know, the the main conversation I want to have is just. You know who's who's to blame here? Is this is this Sony's fault? Because obviously Sony, you know, is going to have internal plans for when they should when they should be releasing this information. Is Sony Santa Monica shitting the bed? You know, I'm not even really want to entertain that thought because I'm sure those guys are not you know not wasting any time over there. But really, you know, at what point do we as gamers need to take a little bit of of credit and a little bit of accountability when it comes to the way that we behave? You know, at the end of the day, they're video games, right? I mean, you and I are sitting here doing a video game podcast. Obviously, we love these things more than um, many, much else in our lives. You know, we we love to do this with our free time. But at no point is it acceptable to treat people in in this way. So, you know, kind of just what are what are your impressions of the whole saga, Nick? I mean, is it is it something that you feel is you know justifiable that people have any right to be upset, or are we just kind of you know, just this is where we, we've gotten to as as a, a fan base, where we just kind of take everything and just go, you know, run with it and get crazy until, you know, we get our way. It's just it's just kind of frustrating as a gamer myself. What do you think?
1: Well, first, I want to say I'm surprised you're not more smug right now. Because <laughs> in the face of, as we talked about last week, because we talked about all this last week, not the snitch and all that, but we talked about the possibility of this event or this announcement, and in the face of Jason Trier himself, you said, no way, man. It's gonna come out in November, but we're not gonna get an event. And you were right. That. I'm surprised you're, like I said, you should be patting yourself on the back. what
0: you know when what, you when you asked that question last <laughs> week, you know, I guess I just went with gut and and my gut said no, and not you know, it wasn't until after we recorded the podcast. I was like, oh shit, man, <laughs> I just i i yeah, I'm going not head to head with Schreier, but took an opposite opinion of him, and that's that very rarely comes to fruition. so i'll uh, I'll take your pats on the back for myself, that that does feel good.
1: Um, yeah, but the. the to answer your question, it's like, I first I want to say that, like, the, the, these angry people are very select few, like, they're probably .01% of everyone that plays video games, um, you know, so they don't represent it as a whole, but really, gamers just need to keep their expectations in check, like, nobody here was at fault, right? right. Trier, the Snitch, they're reporting on what they are hearing. And seeing, and Sony's not saying anything. Like you can't be mad at Sony or so or Santa Monica Studio because they never said anything. They never promised anything. It was these the insiders that kind of set the expectations, and then you know when it didn't happen, like you, we as people, you know, I sure you feel the same way. You're kind of bummed that there's no event this week, or we're not seeing more of the game, and not having the confirmation that it's going to be coming this year. But we just go, okay, and move on. Like I, who are you why do gamers think they are uh, the people that are, you know, doing all this nasty stuff, why do they have this sense of entitlement that they're owed an announcement or an owed anything? Because nobody promised them anything. No <laughs> there's <laughs> there was no sure thing anywhere. So it's just it's 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 frustrating.
0: No, uh, that's that's exactly right. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, and, and it's, you know, I don't ever want to get political on this podcast, and I promise we won't, but, you know, I think it is just a correlation of, like, the way society is nowadays, where everybody gets so, uh, you know, dr- dig their heels into the trenches so hard and just gets so riled up about little things that, you know, they, they immediately need to feel combative and if they don't feel combative, then you know something doesn't sit right with them. So you know it's just it's just I hate it when it when you see this stuff kind of hit close to home again. I consider myself a pretty rabid gamer, but in no way, shape, or form should anybody ever behave this way, treat other people um, you know like they're anything, uh, treat them any way than they would want to be treated. And it's just upsetting to see, um, especially for you know I, I think I've said on the show before, God of War twenty eighteen is is my favorite. It might be my favorite game of all time at least the best one i've played but it's for sure my favorite ps4 exclusive so you know leading up to this game i would i would much rather have like a lot of positive buzz a lot of Exciting things that we can't wait to see Um, You know it kind of almost feels similarly to the lead-up to the last of us part two You know when that game kind of got announced and well not announced but you know those leaks happen ahead of time and you know People immediately made decisions about the game and and the direction it has and calling it trash before it even comes out and it's just like can we can we please relax people can we just You know wait till the thing comes it's gonna come there's plenty of games you can play in the meantime and then you know when it when it does we can evaluate it based on its merits not because we have these like you said really small percentages of people that feel that they need to get their opinion into the world and um you know i just i just hope that you know sony does at some point say something soon (laughs) if only just to get this kind of you know reined in a little bit um But I mean that's yeah that's about all I really I really did want to want to kind of say on that you know we're still waiting for an event um, you know if you had to if you had to put a, a, a place you know or when do you think an event would happen what would you say at this point?
1: That's a good question. I I, I guess before I answer that do you this is all speculation but right. why do you think they didn't show it or didn't announce it?
0: You know I don't. No, I, I would have a hard time believing that it was anything vindictive, that it was anything counter to what their existing plans were. I mean, if, if if you know anything about these big companies, is they operate on such a specific time scale that there's so many moving pieces, whether it's, you know, the animation teams interacting with the mocap teams interacting with the dialogue teams and the trailer teams. And I just, I would find it hard to believe that they have something ready to go. Um, but that being said... It almost has been confirmed at this point, you know, not not to go against Jason Schreier again here, but he did basically say, and the snitch confirmed, that this event was pushed. That basically Sony did have to go in and make the decision to push it, whether that's because, you know, there, there's all this internet rumors and people getting vitriolic or not, I don't know. Um, Because at this point, man, like, I still am a believer that the game is coming out in November, so we're at about four and a half months out now. If you don't have a playable section of the game, or at least something for the demo, then what do you, like, you're not hitting release date. So, you know, I I, I guess, I I, I can't really say what the reason was, but, you know, it it just feels... The whole, that's why the whole thing just feels so out of the loop and one, one last thing I'll say about the whole subject matter is you know I think we are in this weird time frame uh, right now post-COVID and what I mean by that is you know we, we've gotten used to this cadence and this rhythm in the video game industry of getting, getting a game announced about six months to a year after that we probably see the first trailer maybe it has a release date on it or not which is probably going to be a year or two out from that and then you kind of have your two to three year announcement to release cycle I think with COVID and having work from home uh, employees coupled with the fact of the disaster that was Cyberpunk and many other you know big budget games nowadays I think developers are becoming a little more close to the vest when it comes to this stuff and making sure that whenever they do put the date out there that it is ironclad, especially for at least a, like a Sony first party. You know, Sony first party definitely wouldn't want to have a track record of having a lot of delays. So, you know, I think we're just kind of in this weird period where we're having a transition to a shorter announcement to release uh, schedule, or at least, you know, that first big blowout of a game. And that's pissing some gamers off because there's so many people that just live on hype and we don't get as much of that anymore. But at the same time, I kind of like it, you know I, I think it makes it a little more exciting it, it causes us to have these conversations of you know uh, what is coming, what's not um, you know and being able to be a little bit more imaginative um, than knowing that like well next month we got this, then four months we got this, then six months we got this, then ten months we got this and then it you know it, it doesn't keep you as excited so you know it's it's just a weird time right now. I just you know people just need to chill
1: yeah yeah I- We don't really need to talk about it, but there's kind of a parallel story going on right now. I don't know if if you saw that uh, Return to Monkey Island was in the Nintendo Direct uh, this week, and people were so vitriolic and negative about the game that the creator, Ron Gilbert, just shut down his his blog, and he won't discuss the game online anymore. Really? All, All because of the art style change, so...
0: So. It's just be like you know sometimes it can be good right like you know the infamous example nowadays is the Sonic movie right as they released that trailer it was such a backlash that they went back to the drawing board remade him and that that is now a booming success you know Sonic has almost right. never been hotters. so you know it is good to it is good to speak your mind it is good to tell creators how you feel but there's a way to do it right and to be an adult and I don't think a lot of people like to be adults on the internet no, no. So, but <laughs> well, what else is new, right? <laughs>
1: right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. If the, the moral of the story is the game will come out when it'll come out, and I guess to answer your question, I'm assuming it'll be next month. We'll just it'll yeah. be some day in July. We'll find out about it. Yeah, uh, I, would, but, I would agree.
0: I think we're getting a God of War state of play in July. That would be my bet too. Yeah, that that we'll
1: get all the nice little pre-order bonuses, the different versions, all that information, and I've. I believe the rumored date is November 18th, and uh, yes. that will that will be that'll be amazing if that's that is the case. So absolutely. All right. So with that, let's move on to the next topic. It, uh, we're already through the first six months of the year, so I wanted to look forward to the next six months and kind of get John your temperature on what you're most excited about. Um, things are still in motion, such as God of War, so we don't have the release dates and. For everything, There's two uh, Ubisoft rumored games to be coming out uh, in the next six months, Skull and Bones and uh, Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. And uh, EA also has an event in July, so they might be bringing Need for Speed this year. But for the sake of this conversation and where we're at now, I'm just going to talk about uh, the games that are currently, as of today, because game development is a, is a moving uh, target. They might be delayed to next year, but... Uh, I just wanted to get what you, th- what your most anticipated game is. And this is the games I have a uh, note of. Feel free to add any. Mm-hmm. I have Saints Row, The Last of Us Part 1, Marvel's Midnight Suns, Forspoken, Hogwarts Legacy, A Plague Tale Requiem, Gotham Knights, Star Ocean, The Divine Force, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, God of War Ragnarok, Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Callisto Protocol. Okay. So So, what do you what are, what are you uh, most excited for out of the out of that list?
0: Uh, well, I'll just get this one right out of the way because you know we just talked about, it. but God of War Ragnarok. Obviously, I, I, you yeah. know, I, I that's I don't even really need to <laughs> say much more about it. If it comes out this year, I am confident that we will at least be a nine out of ten, and we'll love every second of it. Um, outside of that, uh, one of my most anticipated games for a while now as uh, one you didn't mention, uh, and that would be Hollow Knight Silksong. Um, I thought the first one was a masterpiece in just about everything that it did, made by Team Cherry, which is, I believe, three guys, which is just insane to me that they were able to develop that game, but from tight controls, tight combat, you know, um, cool underground bug-filled world that was unlike anything, and then just your typical uh, Metroidvania-style gameplay, but done, to perfection. So, you know, I'm really excited to see what those guys uh, have coming out next. And that's been a game that's been rumored for a while now. And in typical indie fashion, they they are even shorter from like. You know Date to release So I would expect Whenever we do get The date for that game For it to come out A month or two later So fingers crossed That we get that soon But every Nintendo Direct and showcase That comes around I, I hope it's there and haven't seen it yet <laughs> um, And then other than that Man I mean You know There's a little bit Of excitement For Hogwarts Legacy I think that has potential But that is a uh, Unproven developer uh, I believe the only thing That those guys Have made uh, Really previously Were like um, Correct me if I'm wrong But aren't they The Disney Infinity team I think they're the I think it's Avalanche, um, but not the ones who do Mad Max. They're like the (laughs) ones who do her do Disney Infinity, and so it's just from what we saw in that gameplay trailer, it looks fantastic. But I see a lot of things that they need to nail. You know, they need to the vibe of the world seems good. Um, but you know, is it fun to be a student? Is it fun to engage in combat? Do I want to learn more potions and stuff, or is it, or is it all very surface level? So right. you know, I think that one has potential, um, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it. And then, lastly, I would just say probably um, you know, the next game would be Callisto Protocol. Mm-hmm. I think yep. that game has. Some of the strongest bones that a game can have. I've never seen a game take more, wear its inspiration on its sleeve more than this one with Dead Space. Um, You know, and it seems like it still has that, you know, gory, atmospheric, claustrophobic, um, you know, tense... uh, type gameplay and type environment that Dead Space had, which was one of my favorites, if not favorites, survival horror games of all time, so um, led by Glenn Schofield as well, who is the creator of Dead Space, so you know that they have somebody in charge who uh, is able to uh, enact their vision on this type of world, so I think that has the potential to be something special, but I'm always a little apprehensive with new teams too, but, you know, it seems like they brought the right people in for that one, so... You know, and it's nice not having to worry about Xbox for the rest of the year or Nintendo really, because they seem to not have much coming. So, you know, it's going to be P- PlayStation first party, and and uh, that's about it. Oh, I I am I do want to say I am a little excited for the Last of Us Part One. I'm a sucker for that game and play it in the prettiest way possible. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get to it eventually, even if it's not at release. But you know, I, I definitely will check that out. too.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to have our eyes on all of these games. It's kind of interesting. They're all either reboots or, uh, yeah. fran- or studios' first games. So it's uh, it'll be exciting to see how they all review. You know, if every one of these games reviews above it, an eight, I would you know eight out of the ten. Sure. I want to play it. Um, but definitely the my most excited game is going to be uh, Saints Row. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been what we're on year eleven of Grand Theft Auto 5 yeah. you know it's it's getting a little long in the 2s, so I think this game can come in and really have an impact because I think people are really starving for a next-gen experience uh, with the, the open world concept with the city the cars the shooting mm-hmm. um, this game's gonna have co-op and you know and as the year has gotten, not great. Like, not a lot of great news out there right now. It's, it's it'll be fun to play a game that doesn't take itself seriously. That's going to have absurd humor that has been known in the the other uh, games in this series. So and, yeah, I think uh, I think that one. It's 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 set up really
0: well because what's you know obviously there hasn't been a new for, or Sage Row since the Fortnite craze took off, and so I think among that Fortnite you know teen to pre-teen era, like they're gonna go crazy with the amount of stuff you can do with that game. So yeah, I think that'll, that should hit hard in that, that group of people for sure.
1: Yeah, so it's it's an interesting fall to watch. Like I said, it's gonna update. There's gonna be games announced that we don't have on this list. And some of these games are gonna, of course, bum me out and slip till yeah. next year and make next year just the craziest year. But um, was there any other things you wanted to comment on in this list?
0: No, no, I just, for you, it just saves Robot,
1: nothing else? Just saves inter- Robot? Uh, no, well, I as we talked about, I, I'm with you on the Callisto protocol. And okay. I think every one of these games outside of Modern Warfare, because I'm just done with that, the whole Modern Warfare franchise, or yeah. Call of Duty franchise, like, yeah. I, I got my eye on all these games. Like, Forspoken, you know, it hasn't yeah. had the best showing, but. You know, it's a new IP from Square Enix and it, it mm. looks interesting, like it's it's something different. But uh I'm just I'm just gonna you know I know people say don't pre order games. I'm kinda of with this whole list here, I uh, just Keep my eye on it. Outside of a yeah. right, right, right.
0: <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, uh, let me know how Star Star Ocean is. I can't wait for you to pick that
1: one up. <laughs> uh, no, that is probably the other game that I. <laughs> okay, all right. I was gonna call you up. Well, I guess I did call you up. <laughs> <laughs> that game looks absurd. Yeah. That's so true um, JRPG stuff. Yep. Yep. And and JRPGs are gonna come up in our uh, in our later in the podcast. So. We'll talk why I'm not interested in Star Ocean. Um, So let's move on. John, what do you got for us? Yeah, yeah. So topic two,
0: um, I just kind of wanted to start, you know, maybe highlighting some of the big third-party developers. And, um, you know, obviously in the PlayStation ecosystem, you know, Sony first party is the bread and butter. That's what we all know, God of War, um, Bloodborne, or I'm sorry, God of War, Last of Us, Uncharted, things like that. Then you got your second party, which is um, Bloodborne, things that Sony helped publish but were made by other teams. And then our big third parties, you know, EA, Ubisoft, uh, Take-Two, things like that. So I wanted to start off by, with Ubisoft because I think they're a very interesting studio at a very interesting time. Um, you know, this is a studio that's known for um, some of the biggest franchises we know in gaming today, right? Assassin's Creed, you know, I don't know if you can, there's not many series out there short of like Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto that more gamers know or, or have played. Far Cry 6, you know, that's another long-running series that has a lot of followers, Watch Dogs, Division, things like that. You know, and if, and if you notice anything about those games, they kind of have a tried-and-true formula, which is that open-world watchtower style that they pretty much ushered in. Um, so, you know, they do have a lot of historical relevance in the industry and helped move it forward to a very specific type of way with that, that setup because that has proliferated everywhere. You know, even something as recently as Horizon Forbidden West that I played. But something that i found, you know, that I kind of see with them lately is they seem to just be stuck in this intense, intense trend chasing phase. Where they see something that takes off and they just cannot help themselves but to just try it out, even if it means it's not good. You know, and the things that I kind of think of when I I make that statement is, you know, initially they, you know, Fortnite came out and blew up with the free to play battle royale. So then they decide, okay, well, we need to make a battle royale and they release Hyperscape and it comes out and it's a big old dud. You know, then they have um, X Defiant coming out, which is supposed to be this, you know, cool. Uh, first-person shooter that's you know also free to play that's also supposed to have personality to it but it just looks like the most generic stuff in the world you know and it just really kind of seems like they're desperate for this you know free to play money or or um, you know just these, this low-hanging fruit to try and just capitalize on things that other other people are making or like being creative with you know just want to kind of go over some of the things they've done recently that just seem like, Interesting decisions or decisions that I wouldn't make, you know, like I said, they they made hyperscape That was that lasted for a year before they took the servers down X defiant Incredibly underwhelming negative reviews when they released that trailer. Nobody wants that game project quartz That's not a game itself But it's an nft chasing service that they decided that they were gonna put into games and give people the ability to take ownership with that which I think the NFT NFT craze has already came and went, so I don't know what the heck they're going to do with that. Roller Champions is a free to play uh, roller derby game that was playable back in 2019. That was on track for a 2020 release, but getting pushed into 2022. Assassin's Creed Infinity, you know, taking their most popular franchise and turning it into this games as a service bullshit. And I just can't help but think that you know this is this is a loss for the gaming community. You know these these are This is a team that has they have they have teams all over the world. I'm not sure what the exact number is, but they have forty or so different developers in the world and it's just upsetting to see them take, you know, instead of trying to get creative and going back to the drawing board and see how maybe we can reinvent ourselves, but to see them, you know, just kind of chase what they think is popular and you know if we know anything about the video game industry is you know games take time you know within three to four years that it takes to develop a game you know are these trends going to be the same and it seems like the answer to that consistently with Ubisoft is no and you know it's just it's interesting because they're one of the biggest third parties out there and you know I just wonder you know how they're going to look in five to ten years um, you know And then you got Other things like Their ongoing sk- Sexual impropriety Scandals that it Seems like they're Kind of center with um, You know And it's just Really a downward Trajectory I just I want to see Ubisoft Kind of Take their time We don't need These periodic You know releases Or these um, Yearly releases With Far Cry Assassin's Creed Whatever the case You know One of my favorite Games from last Generation is Rayman Legends You know It's more indie Arts games That was made By Ubisoft It's like you know, we need some more of that stuff. Maybe go back to Splinter Cell. You know, it's been a long time since we had a big Splinter Cell game. But, um, you know, it's just... It's upsetting to see that a company as big as them continuously seem to make the wrong moves. Because I haven't heard a single person be excited for a single Ubisoft game in a long, long time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like... I know, I know you're a Watch Dogs fan, Nick. Is there anything else that, like, you know, it looks gets you excited about Ubisoft or do you kind of agree with, with their downward trajectory as of late?
1: Yeah, they're definitely Ubisoft used to be like this studio that you could rely on they had reliable releases their E3 press conferences, which they didn't have one this year at all uh, was was always game, game, game. Yeah, you had Just Dance in there, but there was always hits in there and they always had something exciting at end. The, they always had something new to show yeah. so they're kind of a, they've been absent all year. They haven't. We haven't heard a peep of what's going on next outside of rumors and and uh, whatnot. But yeah, they they're kind of on a downward trajectory. I, you know, Assassin's Creed came and went. Valhalla, uh, Watch Dogs Three was uh, wor- even though it was kind of hyped with the recruit anybody was in my opinion worse than Watch Dogs Two. Um, yeah. And even though uh, you didn't mention it, uh, but. When they were chasing Zelda Breath of the Wild, they released Immortals Phoenix Rising, uh, which is a good foundation. I would be excited for a sequel, but Mm. even it didn't set the world on fire. It was, again, Ubisoft's formula applied to Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, So, yeah, yeah, they they are a studio that is in need of some new franchises, some some rebranding, yeah, maybe bringing back some of these old franchises that they're loved for, Splinter Cell and Rayman Legends. Um, they're just, hopefully, hopefully, they can do that. And, you know, I know Ysgumot, uh, the CEO, just took a pay cut, so that just shows you how, how well they're doing right now. Yeah, but, uh, they're, they're
0: hurting.
1: But I guess we'll see what happens. Like, yeah, there are some negative things. The, 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 what is it is it Ghost Recon Heartlands? The division
0: heartlands and then ghost recon frontlines, which no, is just good. the worst game for a game man. Like, can you get more boring frontline? Okay. Yeah, no, that just sounds boring.
1: And I can't even remember what the last ghost recon was. But that break, game that game was not even good
0: either. Yeah,
1: that game was a dud too, so th- they definitely are they definitely have something to prove here and you know again they have some of the most talented developers out there who made some of the most iconic franchises in gaming currently
0: right. uh, so
1: hopefully they can they can reach that again uh, they are doing that avatar frontiers at Pandora game and mm-hmm. if, while we haven't seen a gameplay demo for it yet I mean that that could be exciting and um, movie games aren't usually good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but this this it could be promising it, it definitely sounds different than what they're what we've gotten from them before, but again. Well, I, I almost think Avatar is like the perfect
0: IP, though, to do a movie with, because I don't know anybody that holds Avatar near and dear to their heart. You know, it's just kind of a thing that exists, right? And so I think it could be fun, you know, when you take these characters, obviously they're already colorful and stuff, and, you know, you introduce flying, and we know that the I don't know what they're called The av- the avatars <laughs> You know that they can like merge Almost Aloy style with machines or stuff So yes. like there, there could be interesting things there Um But yeah I mean it's just it's just I feel like Ubisoft needs uh, A leadership change You know they keep making Like I said the wrong decisions Like well let's make another Far Cry Assassin's Creed Because that's what the people want It's like I guess but you know You're sitting on you know um The South Park games, right? Everybody, those are fucking phenomenal. Mm -hmm. The Prince of of Persia franchise. We know they're doing Mm -hmm. a remake, but, like, come on, guys. Put some effort into it. Put some, like, blood, sweat, and tears into saying, you know what? We're not going to just bump out another open world thing. We're going to try and figure out something new. Mario and rabbits. you know? It just seems like the games that, that are coming out that are duds are their big stuff, and the small stuff that they could be making are pretty universally you know, uh, acclaim. So I just would like to see them not chase, not chase dollars, but, you know, try and get into the, you know, the the Sony first party mentality of quality over quantity. And, you know, hopefully Avatar is a turning point. We'll see Skull and Bones, you know, actually finally coming out over 10 years is also pretty encouraging. I'm, I'm honestly a little curious to see what that game is. Um, You know, one thing that stuck out in my mind from that game, listening I think to Easy Allies a couple years ago when it was shown in E3 was they were talking about how cool it was that you would engage in this naval battle with another player and you would see their ship like tens of miles away and so you see them coming and it's just this long drawn out sense of anticipation where you're getting ready for them to get there and you're getting ready for them to get there and then all of a sudden like just chaos goes and you know it goes insane and your ships start going apart I think that could be pretty cool uh if it's fun but yep. that's a that's a big if so we'll see yeah
1: and I got a, I got a question for you an Ubisoft game came out this year do you remember what it was?
0: Extraction, extraction. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep, exactly, yep. So that's exactly it. you know you follow up Rainbow <laughs> Six
0: Siege, right? That game, you know, it started really slow. We all know that, but it, it found its legs. They figured it out, and then you know you'd be thinking like, especially. I'm glad I'm not a siege player because I'd probably be pissed. But like, all right, here comes the next one, and then it's we're fighting aliens. It's like. Bah. I don't know. It just it's, it just seems like the left foot doesn't know what the right foot's doing. Leadership doesn't have a good communication line with the people actually making these games. Because you cannot tell me that anybody working on X Defiant looks at that product and be like, Yeah, we did it. We did what we <laughs> set out to do. That has that has corporate executive boardroom meeting shit all over it. Right. You know, we we have to have this because we need the kiddos to be into it. And we need to have all the clans and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, you know, make it like Call of Duty because that's what people like. And it's just ugh. Yeah. Come on, man! Do your yeah. own thing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But I still, I still really like their games. So yeah. <laughs> I still blame
1: and they, them, but. and they're and they're most they're, they've said as much. Like they had an Assassin's Creed event. uh in quotes. I'll say because it was nothing. But they did say they they had more to talk about Assassin's Creed. I've, I'm su- I'm assuming we're gonna get Ubisoft. I believe they called Ubisoft forwards.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. So I think we're gonna get one before the summer's over between now and GamesCon. So.
0: I hope
1: so. So, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll change our minds. I'm I'm hoping because again, they're very talented. Uh, My heart is open. Videos. Yes. <laughs> My heart is open. All right. So, moving on, I wanted to talk about a game uh, I recently played and came out just uh, just last month, uh, and that is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Uh, this is a side-scrolling beat em up. I'm sure most of our audience is familiar with that. Uh, this is developed by Tribute Games, uh, which is uh, a bunch of former Ubisoft developers, and uh, what it seeks to do is be an, an homage to uh, Turtles in Time, but it's really close to Turtles in Time. That's kind of its weakness. Uh, that I, after finishing it, I was like, "Man, I'd rather just play Turtles in Time." Like, there's nothing. There's nothing new going on here. Um, it does have, you know, multiple characters. It does have a great soundtrack, and the animations are very good. But it's a like a three-hour experience, and I feel like previous beat 'em ups like Castle Crashers, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, Streets of Rage Four, like those games were doing more things to like push the genre forward, make you want to come back to it. Where this game is like, oh, that was fun, and. Maybe if I have a couple of friends coming over, I'll play it, but, you know, I'm, I'm not going to power it on when I'm by myself, like, I'm, right. I'm done with that. Right. But I wanted to ask you, how, how do you feel about beat-em-ups?
0: Uh, you know, I think beat-em-ups are very important in the industry. Um, you know, I think that there are some cl- absolute classics out there. Streets of Rage, you know, comes to my mind. Um, you know, and and the ones that I first played were the Battle, or I'm sorry, the uh, Golden Axe games back on Sega Genesis. You know, I really liked those back when I was a kid. I don't like beat-em-ups all that much anymore. (laughs) Um, you know, I, I find them, and video games are inherently repetitive, right? You know, you play Call of Duty, you're just trying to get kills over and over again, but I find these ones specifically a little more repetitive than most. Uh, where you are, you know, you're simply finding enemy, walk up to him, smash, smash, kick, smash, smash, kick, yep. kind of over and over again. And that's fine, you know, especially if you have, um, I think a big part of beat-em-ups also is, is kind of the nostalgia to the IP. X-Men, Simpsons, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, those are really big arcade beat-em-up IPs. And I never got into Turtles as a kid, so, you know, this one specifically kind of kind of missed me. Um, But I I do recognize their importance, you know, in the video game world. It's just, it's upsetting and kind of surprising, honestly, to hear you say that they didn't really push anything forward. Because if I remember correctly, you kind of had an inverse thought about Streets of Rage 4, right? You thought that 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 did it really well, correct?
1: Right, yeah. Like. Uh, Streets of Rage 4 is like uh, an updated art style. It has all kind of a lot of the similarities here. It had a great soundtrack and all, but it just felt better to play. I felt like I was doing different things. And, and when I finished that game, I bought the DLC and I was mm-hmm. playing more of it. Like, right. as with this game, I just it was like, yeah, I, Turtles in Time was a thing, and this was a fun little thing to oh. do, but. Yeah, I just I don't know. It just it just didn't, it just didn't impress me. Um, and it does what it set out to do. I I am 100% they were trying to be the sequel to Turtles in Time, you know. They mm-hmm. every level you start out it has a silhouette of the bad guy. The music's very similar, you know, all it, everything's the same. So what they set out to do, they did. But I'm surprised it's reviewing so well because I don't think it's doing anything else but that.
0: So when you're playing through this game, are you leveling up your stats at all, or are you literally just getting to the end of a level and then just going to the next one? So you do
1: level up, but it really just doesn't do much. Like you kind of build up a super meter as you're as you're killing guys, and you can do your super. Um, so you'll you'll get more bars of that. Your health bar will get bigger. You're able to perform like your super in the air, or when you're sliding, you can do your super. So there's like a little incremental things mm-hmm. you're doing but mm-hmm. they but it really doesn't change much and yeah. you can if if I gave you my super-powered Donatello and then you played underpowered April O'Neil from scratch you wouldn't notice much
0: difference there wouldn't be do you get new moves like or no or is it just
1: Yeah like I said there there's supers like you can do their supers in the air, or when you're rolling back. You kind of get a few.
0: But you're not and, learning like new combos. You're not learning like a drop kick or or a high. You, it's just the same like kind of move set over and over again.
1: Right, right, and, and the gameplay is not really incentivizing you to like go all out yeah. anyway. It's it's a lot of the same enemies over and over and over again. Um, you know, but like I said, it's six player co-op, so. Yeah. You know, if you can wrestle up six people to play, I'm sure, like you said, it's, a, it's a probably a great night to have people over, you know, have some drinks, play the game. Mm-hmm. It's simple, mindless fun. You don't really have to think about it. And it's very easy, you know, you're going to finish the game. You're not. No one's going to, like, die and have to sit there, you know. Well, it's probably a game that you can play. It's a game that a
0: non-video game person can pick up and understand, right?
1: Yep, yep, yeah, yep. So. My, my significant other, you know... She's not into a lot of games, but she liked this because, you know, it's simple. She can understand it. And okay. Yeah, so it's $25. If you're really interested, I'd say wait for it to go on sale, and then, you know, you'll have a good night with it. But um, if you're looking for any other depth in this game, it's just not there, um,
0: unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, that's both upsetting and, and good for me because I didn't have much interest. And in, if you came in here hot saying this is the greatest game of all time, I'd probably, be, <laughs> I'd probably buy it, but... uh yeah, I'll, I think I'll wait for a sale. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. So, John, what's, what's, what's up next?
0: All right. So I want to talk about kind of how we got here, Nick. The games that shaped us and you know kind of made us how we are today as gamers. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be anything super in-depth, but just kind of, you know, when you think back on your 30, I won't give away your exact age because I know you're sensitive. Uh, you're 30-some <laughs> years... Um, that just says I'm old. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a little bit older than I am. Um, you know, what, what, what kind of comes to mind? So um, I don't know if you want to bounce back and forth or if you want sure. me to just kind of go through all mine, but um, I guess I'll start because I, I have a feeling this... I know that this one specifically is near and dear to both of us. Um, so the first console that I ever owned... That kind of got me into games as a Sega Genesis. And back in those days, obviously, you don't know, you know, you don't know games. You just look at a box art and say, that looks cool, Dad, I want to play that one. And so I don't know how I got it. I don't know if my dad just brought it home for me or if I picked it out, but a little game called Gunstar Heroes. <laughs> uh, it's basically a side-scrolling, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a side-scrolling up I guess, where you're, you play as uh, one of two characters. That gets four, one of four different weapons That combine with other weapons throughout the game And they kind of modify the way you play But it's, it's really chaotic It's really fast-paced But it's just a game that I've, I've probably beaten this game More than anything else in my life You know, it's pretty quick to do But it's just so replayable And so much fun with a killer soundtrack um, You know, surprising, shockingly good graphics for the time You know, in this I think it came out in 1992 by Treasure It was actually Treasure's first game um, you know, it really just kind of got me into, I think, the idea of, you know, getting high scores and, and replaying something to get better and learning a game so thoroughly that you kind of can start to game the system. You know, there's a there's a specific level where you're kind of descending down a pyramid. And I remember I learned that if I stand in the top left corner of this map, I, I don't get touched. And just starting to learn that kind of stuff, you know, really, uh, really clicked with me at that age, and so I think that that was kind of the first one that said like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm, I want to I keep playing this stuff and see where it goes. Um, you know, and, and funny story, you know, Nick and I, uh, we work together, uh, our nine to five, and so, we, you know, we've known each other for about two years now, and one of the first interactions I remember having with Nick is we got this little tiny Raspberry Pi system uh, at work that was able to play a lot of old games. And we were just talking about what games we remember as a childhood, and I don't remember if it was Nick or I brought up Gunstar Heroes, and both of our faces lit up, we immediately had to find this thing, plug it in, and we did a complete run-through of the game in, I don't know, about 45 minutes, and it was just so nice, because I remember he knew exactly what to do, I knew exactly what to do, and it was just kind of a a fun little moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you bring up this game because now, now this podcast is going to be two hours long. Yeah, Because uh, right. <laughs> we have so much to say about it. In fact, we're on, like, DEFCON 3 because Treasure's 30th year is this year, and we're really, really hoping that they're going to announce something to do with Gunstar Heroes. Yes. Um, man. With there will be mark my word a bonus podcast when that gets announced because we'll just this, <laughs> be like we're recording right it's, now. It's just us screaming, it. screaming for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like you said, like like me and John, we obviously got well. We, um you know, video games kind of brought us together. Like we both like them a lot. So you know when we met each other, we were we instantly became friends. But as you had mentioned, like when you're a kid. Back then, you didn't know what was good, what was bad. So you just picked the games out by, like, box art. And so the fact that we both found this game and that we both (laughs) loved it so much Mm -hmm. and then we both, you know, even though we like games a lot, found out that we both are really, really into this game, like, that just, our our friendship, like, leveled up. Like, they went from level 10 to level 99, like, instantly because... It was had, like the Spider Man <laughs> meme. We were like kind of pointing at each other, like, Ghost Star Heroes? Yeah, because Ghost Star Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, and this a game will all, I'll always remember it because I brought it home. My, me and the neighbor kid, we, we beat it that day. It was yeah. like 10 hours, I think we played it right in a row. Not probably exaggerating. It was probably like, you know, six to eight hours. But
0: <laughs> it's child time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Child time, which is just infinity. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, it was just, you know, it, like games that formed us like nostalgia's powerful and games that bring you such joy and positive memories I mean they'll be remembered forever so yeah. yeah Gunstar Heroes will always be that because yeah that it's just an incredible game it's there's not a bad thing to say about it Check it
0: out if you've never played it obviously it's hard to play but check out a rom I promise you you'll have fun <laughs> Yeah
1: yes <laughs> So um so I kind of took this in a a, a direction of like just I remember like my game taste forming, right? Mm-hmm. When you when you start anything, when you're when you're a young kid, food, movies, you kind of start with a wide palette. and then as as you experience more and more things, you kind of refine that to to the things that you like and you attract to. So I'm gonna kind of use that to frame like how I form myself as a gamer today. And I remember, even though, and bringing this back to about PlayStation, even though I didn't own a PlayStation 1, my best friend at the time did, and through him, I got to play games like Resident Evil 2, Final Fantasy 7, Metal Gear Solid, and those games blew my mind, like, not only from, like, a storytelling perspective, like, oh, you can have crazy things happen in your story, you can tell a mature story, but also... Voice acting came into the picture. I mean, David Hayter as as Solid Snake will always just be seared into my brain. I I will know that voice every time I hear it, um, and that really like Im- imprinted on me. And so, like when I talk about like my favorite games or games that I'm looking forward to, they all have the DNA of those of games like that, like Resident Evil 2, like Final Fantasy 7 and Metal Gear Solid. Like, so you know, I remember again going to his house and just eight ten hours of games because we're kids Mm -hmm. and and just loving those games so much and just like I remember like we played Resident Evil 2 all day and I felt like trembling (laughs) because I was scared and like I didn't know what was going on and then like every room was a new thing would pop out the wall and yeah it was just it was just such a great experience and like And and when you think of like even like Metal Gear Solid like all the crazy things that game did like you had to read the box art to get a codec call or you had to unplug the controller into another port to confuse Psycho Manus like Mm -hmm. wow this is what games can be and this is what games are going to be going forward it's it's just incredible so the Playstation 1 era really just you know I loved games at the time but man I, I was addicted Playing when I was playing those games, I was a gamer for life.
0: Yeah, man, uh, those—that's a trio of games that's hard to beat. So I'd say that's a pretty good pick. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately for me, like something I—I don't regret this because I didn't have much control over. it, But I wish I was a little bit older because when when. That all those games were hitting. I was like seven, eight, nine years old. Little too young for a lot of that stuff. So you know, I, I missed a lot of it. But uh, obviously, I don't know how important and awesome those games were in the time, and still are today. Um, so kind of on a similar similar scale, you know, when I was looking at my list, I was kind of thinking of the games that that kind of transitioned with me into the next phase of my life to kind of keep video games at the top of mind for me. That's kind of how I thought of this. And and one of the next games that uh, I think did that for me, um, very, very special game for me. You know, I, it's the game that I would tell a lot of people was my favorite game of all time before God of War came out, so I don't really know nowadays, but it was Final Fantasy X, um, which I know may be contentious for some people because it has, you know, the infamous tightest meat laughing <laughs> moment which if that game was released today would be a meme upon memes you know, you no. keep saying it's contentious,
1: but I believe that game was loved a lot. I mean, it did spawn it, it, several sequels. Or it, a- yeah, sequels. it was. I think it had like a
0: 92 on Metacritic. <laughs> I, I I think what it stems from is you know, I listened to Colin Moriarty a lot on Sacred Symbols, and he he routinely says it's the worst Final Fantasy game ever made. So maybe <laughs> maybe he gets a little a little to you know a little uh, into my brain with that. But you know, for me, it really was you know, similar to you, Nick, with that introduction to. Narrative focus, an introduction to these grand sweeping stories that can be told in games. It was really probably the first one for me to do that. Uh, You know, previous to Final Fantasy X, I was playing Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, Medieval, um, you know, things like that. So I was just more into the gameplay of it all and didn't realize that there could be this, you know, big uh, thing that I actually cared about the characters with. Um, you know, that combined with the fact that it was my introduction into RPGs, so I was, you know, equipping swords and getting my stats boosted. And to this day, I still love looking at the sphere grid, uh, which is Final Fantasy X's upgrade system. Um, you know, and just getting that dopamine rush from leveling up, and I think it was like my first one with that. But, you know, I played this game right when I was around 13 years old. Um, You know, and it really just kind of set me up for, okay, now I really feel like video games are what I want to do in my free time. And, you know, I'm going to try and do everything I can uh, to play them. And, you know, I remember specifically with this game too, there was a, a, there was a, I think it was a historic blackout at this point that like affected the entire Northeast Midwest region. It was like something like 70 million people. That blackout happened the day after I bought this game, and I never, to this day, remember being so just like crestfallen, like staring at the staring at the manual, just wanting to play this game so bad, but I couldn't because the power was out. Um, but I still play it to this day, man. I, I own it on PS2, PS3, PS4, uh, and I bought it on Vita once. So it's just a real, real special game for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just continuing the JRPGs, I'm going to talk about a game that killed them for me. <laughs> so I used to play JRPGs. I used to play a lot of them. Um, hmm, what's and this then, <laughs> It's a Tales game. It was Tales oh. of Arise. Oh. I remember I had it for, it was on uh, PS2, I believe. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. The- Tales of Arise is the new one. Oh, Oh no. What? Oh! Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. That's okay. Isn't it Tales of Symphonia? Oh. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I Tales of the Rise has been on my brain because maybe it's like the game that I want to try. <laughs> yeah, maybe I need to play this again and see. Uh, yeah. Oh, Tales of the Abyss. I'm sorry. That's okay, the correction. Okay. Yes. Which was on PlayStation 2. Sorry. There's been so many Tales games. Yes. <laughs> I'm getting them all confused. So. Yeah, in my notes, I had Tales of Arise for some reason. But, yeah, Tales of the Abyss. And as we got, when we were talking about Final Fantasy sixteen and, like, mature stories, um, Tales of the Rise is, like, the opposite of that. It's, like, trying to tell a mature story, but, like, on a kid tone.
0: Mm. And, it,
1: and it's a problem that plagues JRPGs all the time. That's why I can't even look at Star Ocean, like, seriously. Even, you know, they kind of... Had a release date trailer this week, and they did a story trailer, and I just watched and I'm like, "This is it. That's just like mm-hmm. Tales of the Abyss. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Like I can't. I can't do deal with these ridiculous characters, these child characters. It's just, oh man.
0: Well, you have that same problem with anime too, right? That's you know kind of yes, one of yes. Those. So it's it's you know it's even blended to other mediums. So <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty strong reaction.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. So I remember just playing this game, getting halfway through it, and just being. And, and at that time, I completed everything. Like I, even if I didn't like the game, I'm like, oh, I'll just see it through.
0: But that no. game I was like,
1: nope, I'm well, done. I have, to,
0: I have to read this review from uh, Grant E. Ev uh, on Metacritic. It says, "I have only played hundreds of games in my life, and this is the only one I would give a 10 out of 10 to."
1: So obviously, <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, you're wrong, Nick,
0: and, and yep. you that yep. fact.
1: No, well, everyone has their own choices, but like I said, this is this is what, it just, yeah. and not to say I'm I'm done with them. I will try. You know, I tried Final Fantasy 15. I'll, you know, I it's not necessarily a JRPG, but it has similar themes like Dank and Rampa Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm slowly easing back in. You know, dipping my toe in that JRPG <laughs> pool, but I'm not gonna jump right in unless, well, I maybe Persona 5 Royal will maybe bring me full swing in. You know. Apparently well, the greatest JRPG <laughs> of all time, but well,
0: I, th- I think something like Persona, though, and, and Final Fantasy 16 will be. It's just got to be adult themed, right? And and they both are. At yeah. least I think Final Fantasy 16 is. would be re- it'd be really weird at this point if it wasn't. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I think yeah, you'd be good with those two. But it's good to know that you know that about yourself because JRPGs, if you're trying to navigate that space, it would be quite hard to get through. You know, try and and avoid the ones that are very kiddie, so... Yeah. That's good. Um, All right, so just real quick here, just for time's sake, uh, there's just two more games I want to talk about. I'll lump them into one because they're kind of in the same part, but, you know, kind of in regards to Final Fantasy getting me into going from a kid into, like, teenage years, um, the game that kind of, I think, made... affected me the most in the past 10 years, at least... To ignite my love of gaming and just really kind of shape what I like about them was Dark Souls, um, you know. And obviously, what can be said about that game nowadays that hasn't been said yet, you know? It, it's it was so popular that it started its own genre, right? And I just never at in my at my time playing games up to this point, you know, got so lost in a good way, in a world, where I just wanted to keep learning what is the next corner, what is the next boss fight, what's behind this fog gate, what's what's over here, and, you know, and really just devouring uh, everything about it. You know, the combat, I thought, was some of the best, you know, that's ever been in a game, you know, just fit my exact style. I know it's not for everybody, but I love the methodicalness of blocking, blocking, waiting for my opportunity, reading the enemy patterns, um, you know, and, and really... You know, getting on the other side of a fight is just such a good feeling. Um, you know, the boss fights in these games. Um, anybody who's played them would tell you the same thing. Some of the best boss fights in gaming. Um, you know, I'm sure there'd be some of the some bosses from the Soul series that would be on that top ten list I mentioned earlier. But you know, when you get through a boss fight and you start seeing that giant red bar getting close to the end, and your heart starts pumping, and you start you're, you see your your health bar starting to whittle down, it's just it's such a Intense endorphin rush and like, you finally get it. There's been so many times that I've actually audibly screamed getting through one of these fights and You know, I just uh, I just think it's you know, it's a really really special game that holds really uh, a Important part for me. And then the last one just real quick here is the binding of Isaac um, I've probably played more hours of that game than anything else. It's What showed me that indie games are more than just kind of throwaway stuff and really, uh, you know, kind of forced me to look at these games in a different way and give them the attention that they deserve, because, you know, that game, it, it, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, it's it's a roguelike where you're just kind of dungeon crawling, going from room to room, getting upgrades, getting power-ups, getting through boss fights, but there's over, I want to say at this point, 500 different items that interact with each other, so if you get this item and that item, then they can, at the same time they combine and do something else, and it just, you know, allows you to... Have no run that feels the same And uh, You know And just gives you Like when you can break that game When you just get the perfect Set of, of items It's so much fun To just go in and destroy people Room to room So You know I think that one just kind of You know It was just It's just such a time sink for me and I, as i'm talking right now I, I just feel like i have to mention an honorable mention of rocket league that one's been consuming my life lately <laughs> uh, but i'm sure we can talk more about rocket league on a free future podcast cuz that's nick and i's obsession right now so yeah
1: yeah i was actually going to kind of mention that because you know games that formed us like i'm i'm like we both played sports i'm a competitive person and and the one aspect of gaming that you know everyone seems to love is the social aspect of it so I'd have to mention, you know, Halo, because that was the game I'd spend all night with my friends, and then with the rise of Xbox Live, playing online with other people, which led to, you know, Modern Warfare, to Overwatch, and now our current obsession, which is, you know, Rocket League. Um, there's just something to say about playing a, that game, that a competitive game that feels good and can give you that same satisfaction you used to get when you played, you know, live sports when you were younger. Um, so that... That formed me as well. And then also f- latching on to your, your Souls comment, like it's very satisfying when you get hyped for a game. It's like the most exciting thing. And then that game comes out and it hits, kind of like Elden Ring this year. Oh, you yeah. know, the, the fans were clamoring. They were excited. And then have that game come out and just be the, the best thing ever, everything you could ever yeah. want. All that projection we do as gamers, have it realized in a game. And then I had that with Batman: Arkham Asylum.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. I was a big fan of the animated series growing up. That was my religion as a kid. So when this game was announced and had all the same voice actors coming back, to just have that game come and just, just I mean, Arkham <laughs> Combat is a gaming term, and people know what it means. Yep. Just everything that game did to make is just, just to play Batman like that. And to have, have it feel so good, to feel as powerful as him, and, oh, jeez, that game is so good. We could do a whole podcast on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good comparison, that I think, you just made of, of Elden Ring and Arkham, you know, where, you know, those were both the best possible scenarios for a Souls fan of myself and a, and a Batman fan of yours, so, yeah, uh, yeah man, man, when when Elden Ring came out, I was like, oh, it's exactly what I want, thank you, Miyazaki-san, yeah. you know, it's yeah. great, great stuff, so...
1: And then finally, I did want to mention the Mass Effect games. Um, they were, were such a. They wrote such good characters, such good writing, such good science fiction writing. Mass Effect 2 is probably one of the greatest games of all time. I mean, uh, not a lot of people would argue with that declaration. Um, but just getting so attached to these characters, fe- making you feel so much emotion, making you. I know the wheel kind of made things a little more binary than they should have been. Because you knew this choice on the wheel was the positive choice, and this was the dickhead choice. Uh, but that game is still just you know peak Bioware. You know, unfortunately, hopefully they can get back to what we felt with that with Dragon Age. do will see. <laughs>
0: they they, have, they are running a big old stinker lately.
1: <laughs> but fingers crossed, you know, um, that we get that. And I and I had yeah. to mention it because it's just it's it just games that make you feel something like we talked about with last of us two mm-hmm. and the last of Us series. Like they're, they're really special in your heart. They're stories that you'll remember forever.
0: Absolutely.
1: All right. Do you have any more games?
0: No, that's all I got.
1: Cool. So let's move on to the final thing I'm bringing today. As the wheel decreed <laughs> last week, I was a play death stranding and I just wanted to get some early impressions out. Um, this is a, you know another game from Hideo Kojima, and right off the bat, this game made me question my love for Metal Gear Solid and <laughs> the series in that franchise, that if I go back and play them today, will I still feel the same way? Because right off the bat, this game reveals Timefall, which is rain that ages you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, invisible monsters called BTs,
0: Okay, this all sounds pretty
1: normal stuff. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, uh, a stillborn baby that you wear on your chest that is able mm-hmm. to detect these BTS mm-hmm. called BB. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when people die, they call they cause a void out, which is a nuclear explosion. So if anyone dies, they cause a nuclear explosion. As yes, you do, and then you're you're given a meet you meet a cast of characters called Fragile, and Dead Man, and Die Hard Man, and Mama, and <laughs> it is the most absurd story I've ever played. I, I, do you feel the same way? I know you've played kind of the early parts of the game. Um, yeah, what, so what are your thoughts on the story as, as, as far as you got?
0: So yeah, I, I mean, I it's definitely been set up to be this weird ass fucking ride, that's for sure. I, you know, I the only Hideo Kojima games I've beaten were Metal Gear Solid two and four. So you know, I know I know how he is, and I know that he's almost like a master troll at this point, where he's just you know, hey, if I can, I wonder how zany I can make this and people will still eat it up, right? And Like yeah, 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 you're Kojima, they'll they'll fucking do it, but. You know, it, it's, for me, you know, I don't want to judge the story yet, because I do know so little about it, you know, it's, it's about a 70 hour game, and I think there's even, I read something like, um, eight straight hours of cutscenes, so there's obviously <laughs> a lot, not, I'm sorry, not eight straight, but there's eight total hours of cutscenes in the game, so, you know, it, there's a lot of story to, to go, but I think, you know, my impressions of the game so far is, it's you know, it's a, it's a really cool world, uh, really pretty environments, and you know the minimal interactions I've had, um, you know, are, are just kind of basic. But it's the the music in the beginning really kind of captured me. You know, you're yeah. descending this mountain, you know, kind of learning how the walking mechanics go. And this uh, this song called "Don't Be So Serious" or "Don't Be So Serious" by Low Roar plays, and it's the perfect the perfect song for the situation. I would advise anybody who likes kind of chill music to go check that out. Um. So it, it sets the vibes well. It sets it sets the uh, world building up. But you know, in terms of the story, yes it's fucking bananas. But I think yep. it's you know supposed to be at this point. Yeah. So. It,
1: yeah. It is on par with Hideo Kojima games. Like that's for sure. Uh, I mean, Quiet was a character in MGS5, and look up Quiet if you don't know who she is, but she's another character. They all character. know who she is. No <laughs> <Yeah>. They <laughs> all know. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not at work. Don't don't look at her <laughs> at work. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but what also is on par with Kojima is like attention to detail, and when you're playing this game, like the idea... I know you and me like movies like Free Solo and The Alpinist, mm-hmm. where... These climbers that climb with no climbing gear stare at a mountain and it's almost like gamification there. And they mm-hmm. kind of chart their path up and try to get to the summit. And this kind of has the same concept. You're given a bunch of packages and you're said you're told, you gotta deliver this from this part on the map on this part of the map. Have at it. And that's that part of the game is is really interesting. It's interesting to like see a mountain be over encumbered with all these packages on your back and try and navigate it you know, set up ladders, uh, use a climbing pin, hope, hope that you have enough rope on your climbing pin that you can get to the bottom of this clip face um, mm-hmm. and avoid, you know, people trying to steal your packages and the, the BTs, the monsters as well. Um, it's just that I actually was really enjoying it. Um, in fact, it was so frustrating because when you're walking to these points, people dr- there are lost packages over the ground. And, of course, they're never to the place you're going to. They're the place you're coming from. Like I was actually satisfied just walking back and forth, finding a bunch of packages, loading up, and then walking back, you know, adding like, you know, an extra twenty, thirty minutes to my my trip time just because I, I it was interesting. It's 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 a different kind of game. It's very mm. slow and methodical.
0: And it's a it's, little cathartic, it's weird. Yes,
1: yes, very cathartic. So it's just in between all the zany story stuff. In here is a game concept that's kind of unique and and very interesting and and I plan on <laughs> to continue playing it. It's it's so far so good. You know, like that's maybe really I'll, funny because
0: I, I guarantee if I asked you before you started playing this game, you'd be like, so you got the one side, you got Kojima's story, the other side you have walking on <laughs> mountain. Um, um, which one do you want? <laughs> you know I mean? like, you would have, I you would have picked Kojima's. All day long, it's mean, just interesting to hear you kind of not that you're not enjoying the story, you just need more of it, but like, yep. you know, take take to the gameplay a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so, and I know there's more things coming. There's going to be like zip lines and vehicles, and yep. I'm on, my current mission is to build a bridge over a river, like an actual road bridge that you can cross. So it'll be interesting to see all those systems, and yeah, I, I, this will definitely be a game that's going to come up on a, on a future podcast. Uh, I'll have more thoughts. I just might be skipping every cutscene. Now you, uh, no, you <laughs> won't.
0: Well,
1: they're you pretty dis- bad. You wouldn't dis- would
0: disrespect Kojima <laughs> like
1: that. I know all hail Kojima <laughs> and <Yes>. the wheel. <laughs> all right. Well, cool. That's that's six things. Woo! Yeah, another podcast in the books. Episode three is done, and what we're going to leave you on to kind of satiate your weight for the next God of War. We're gonna leave you on that great God of War song by Bear McCreary. <laughs> 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 yeah we're, we're gonna. I, I want I, that's a, that's a new uh, segment. Is John is gonna imitate I, every song? Man. I have to start singing it before it comes up. <laughs> oh, but oh yeah, Also, before we go, Platinum Ooh. Watch, John, oh, you, yes. you got two Platinums.
0: I did, I did. So it's a long time coming, but I, I did get my Horizon Forbidden West Platinum. Thank you, thank you. Yay. yay! And then, uh, just as a little palate cleanser, I highly encourage everybody to check out uh, Grease. G R I S. Or GRI, I believe, is the uh, official uh, term or a uh, way to say it. But it's just a, it's a chill little walking, platforming game. Um, very pretty light puzzle elements. Um, you know, it'll take about five, six hours to get the platinum. Definitely would highly recommend that for everybody, but that's number, uh, those were number 29 and 30. So onward to 31, 32, 33. Uh,
1: yes, two platinums in one day. That's a, that's yeah. a rare sight. It is, especially for me. <laughs> All right. So if you're in the States or in Canada, enjoy your extended weekend. Hopefully we can uh, keep you company during it. You're listening uh, to the podcast during the weekend. But uh, yeah, yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the show. Happy
0: 4th, guys. Take care.